I hope so, Troop, because we need someone to emerge from uh, the boxing. <laughs> I don't want to say mediocrity, but we need someone to emerge into stardom from Worcester into boxing. What's going on, everybody? Today is Monday, Tuesday, November 21st, 2017. Thank you for tuning in and logging on, and welcome to Truth It in the AM. It is your boy, Truth It, here to address any and all things when it's time to, and it's time to. Thank you to blogtalkradio.com, worcesterdailynews.com, and everybody else who helps make this possible. Uh, by my side, I have the one, the only, too real, never <laughs> phony, never phony, the incomparable Inco- Trooper Joe is in the building. Hey, folks, look at all them words. Thank you. Thank you. I hope everybody knows what those words mean because I don't, but that's quite all right. I, I'm more than, I'm excited and happy to be here. It's almost Thanksgiving, so I'm a, I, get, I get excited when Thanksgiving comes around anyway. Well, uh, I did come down with a little bit of an illness this weekend, Troop. I was preaching and my stomach uh, got went a little bad and it's over now. And I'd rather have it a couple days before Thanksgiving than on Thanksgiving. That's so right. I'm I'm in a good mood. I'm I hope that it stays. I'm in I'm in a great mood. My Celtics, my Boston Celtics, my <laughs> jersey I'm wearing today. Yep, they are 16 and two this Wake NBA up. season. They're on a 16 game winning streak. Uh, there's a lot of things to be happy about if That's you are right. a Celtics fan. Well, I'm, I'm I don't think I'm a fan of any kind of pro sports anymore, other than the Giants. <laughs> so you should come on over to the Celtics because you need something to be happy well, about. Oh, well, I used to know a lot of Celtics way back in the day and stuff like that. Okay. We had the Quincy Open League in Boston. Yep. You know, we had JoJo White. We had Charlie Scott. We had, um, oh, what's his name? Everybody's uncle. <laughs> All these guys used to play. A lot of college guys used to play. Dr. J used to play. A lot of guys from Worcester, I see up here, used to play. They used to play in that Spider Bennett. He, he's up here in Worcester. He used to play in that league. Oh, yeah, we had a good league and stuff like that way back in the day. Mm-hmm. Way back in the day. Then it turned into the Every Ivy League. My friend Tommy McCarthy and, and myself and a few other people, we created the Every Ivy League down in the Fenway. Mm-hmm. And that was the outdoor league and stuff, and it became really, really popular. Patrick Ewing. Helped out quite a bit with Aces, sneakers, and those things like that. So it was good. Mm-hmm. Good. We don't do these things anymore, people. We need to con- consolidate some of our sports and stop trying to take our, our little sports things that we do and make it into mentorship programs for youth. It's like, come on. The youth are going to be youth. They're going to have eyes. They're going to have ears. They're going to watch what people do. And if it's in positive things, they're going to follow suit. If it's negative, they're going to follow suit that way. We don't have to take every little, every little sporting event—basketball, baseball, boxing, football, everything like that—and turn it into some kind of mentoring program. We have to have that fun, people. That's what we need to have. Well, uh, speaking <laughs> of sports, <laughs> uh, I think I think it's a good uh, troop. I think it's good to help mentor kids because those are the things well, that the kids grow up to want to be. They want to be boxers and basketball players and, and things like that. 
So it's good to have mentoring programs. I do think that they should also have mentoring programs for things such as those who want to be doctors yep. and firemen. Yep. Yep. Uh, why, why doesn't the fire department have a mentoring program? You know, you can go, you can bring your kids and then you can play with the truck and everything, but shouldn't they have a mentoring program where they teach them how to really do all the things that a fire that entails being a firefighter? They, they should have mentoring programs for all these things. They, but I don't think that they should just because sports is so big. Kids are full of energy and they run around and stuff like this. So as soon as you get them into into some sports, playing sports, the first thing you want to do, oh, let's teach them social skills. Yep. Nah. If you want to teach them social skills, teach them social skills. If you want to let them play and play basketball yourself or, or with them, play basketball or something with them. Run track with them. Mm-hmm. Do the tough mother. I, I'm... I think I think that there should be a tough mother training camp here, but from Worcester we got all the woods and stuff like that. I think Worcester would make make a profit for for some kind of sporting and and team development type of building, not focused team development, but team development building and everything mm-hmm. like building a tough mother training camp here in Worcester. Right, there's a lot of things you can do, and then just like you say, they should have mentoring programs for the police, for businesses, and not one day little come by and and see how somebody works. The politicians and stuff, you know, they should have a program where where the youth, if they they're interested in politics and stuff, they should have a program or department set up for mentoring in 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 what it's like to be a politician. What's the the nuances? What's the ins and outs? What's the real game? Yeah, what's the lie fun? And, and be sexually assaulted or something. Yeah, how, so it can attract <laughs> millennials because less and less millennials, less millennials are even vo- voting now. Yeah, so. they're not doing anything else. Yeah, I don't know. But not not mess up all the sporting programs. And then you you, you you try to make it fair and equal and balanced and stuff. I never understood that. Some kids just stink. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, no problem. They, they know that. You know? Yeah. Don't, don't try to soothe their little egos because their ego's not fractured. It's like, they, they know, it's like, I can't play. Right. But I'm having fun hanging out with the peeps and stuff like this. You know, so... <laughs> you don't have to be all that touchy feely and stuff like that with them, right? So that's why I like uh, Worcester Technical High School. Yeah, because uh, Worcester Tech they have half the week, half the, the one week they'll have academics where you're doing your schooling and stuff, and the other week they'll have shop week or whatever, so you can kind of delve into the career choices that you might want to do in the future. And I, yeah. I think all schools should have something or should do something like that. I think so, too. I think they should totally get away from these. Here, everybody sit down and learn how to take the test. Now, here's the first question, so here's the first answer. Right. And now you repeat it back. Here's the yeah. first question. Here's the first answer. Regurgitate what I'm putting yeah. down in you now. So Yeah. Right. So uh, that's why I like Worcester Tech because they do have things like that. Like you can be a business financer. You could be a veterinarian. They have a veterinarian place in there, a hospital clinic in their school. And they have the students helping do things like fix animals or put them down and everything. So Yeah. That's important for a kid's creative development. Yep. Well, could so kids know what they want to be when they're kids. They lose sight of that as they get older, and they put all this victimization in front of them and stuff. Yep. Rather than looking at what it is that really made them feel good when they was a kid. 
Right. Yeah, I mean, a kid who likes to just put and look at bugs crawl and walk around there, you know, it, you never know where that's going to develop. They might become a a a, a, a great doctor or mm-hmm. a great veterinarian or or just somebody who's who's likes mechanics and stuff, and they're watching. You don't know why they're watching the bug crawl. Right. It's always better <laughs> to learn by hands-on than it is by just regurgitating and being thrown and fed all kinds of information. Yeah, no, yeah. And and the schools, I don't want to go eat up the schools again, but I think if the schools put more energy into teaching the kids basic skills that, that they don't, the schools never really taught. Yep. The, the skills of how to study, you know, how to do a research paper. I know first you have to learn how to do a book report. Then you have to learn how to do, uh, th- then they, they use the word essay, so you've got to use two books and another reference or something. But then, you know, they, they stop, mm-hmm. and they don't learn how to do a research paper right, or anything. Just a small, not an in-depth research paper thesis on your favorite hypothesis of life or something. No, you know, they might be researching why turkeys say gobble gobble or something like that, you know? Yep. I mean, which would be big in itself, but... <laughs> right. <laughs> so, uh, P- Patty Eppinger. Patty! She was talking with director Bill Herndon and Tracy Harris. Patty and Fred Eppinger's home in Grafton was turned into a TV set Monday to shoot the series for the pilot, Seven Hills. And Seven Hills is going to be a television show about addiction. About addiction. Or a series about addiction. With every hill comes a climb, reads the tagline to a drama series about teen addiction and recovery being shot in and around Worcester. The series called Seven Hills reflects not only in the area's geographic landmarks, but also builds on the city's spirit of resilience. Bill Herndon of M2M Studios, who is the show's creator, executive producer, and director, described the setting and focus of the series as sharing the struggles of talented young people working to find redemption in a world of uncertain possibilities. There's a lot of transitional things going on, transformational things going on in Worcester. Mr. Hendon, who is based in New Jersey and works in New York and Los Angeles, said in an interview on the set Monday, but it's not going to be easy for you. He said, as we film this, we're trying to show the human spirit in its beauty and its conflict. The scenes being filmed now are a pilot for what is hoped to be a series that will be picked up by outlets such as Netflix or Hulu. According to the program synopsis, Seven Hills is a series about second chances, new beginnings, and redemption. The series deals with the talented young people facing the reality of drug addiction and the deep-rooted pain it can cause everyone involved. They must learn how to live with an addiction that destroys lives, stifles dreams, and constantly lurking in the shadows waiting to overtake them at their weakest moment. The summary continues, in the hope that they can learn to live past their addictions and reach their full potential, viewers will follow the lives of these young hopefuls and experience the series through two prisms, that of recovering transitional home housemates and that of house counselors who are former addicts themselves. Troop, (laughs) what are your thoughts? (laughs) We... My thoughts are, um, 
I hope that this program really does something to bring some real, true light to the problem of addiction. It sounds like they're going to whitewash this thing till the white comes out of this so powerfully that you would think that, that there's nobody else in the planet mm-hmm. that has a drug addiction problem, not anybody in Europe, not anybody in Africa, not anybody in Asia, not anybody in New York City. Not a, you would think that the drug addiction problem is solely being perpetrated by evil demons that lurk in some place that is, is, is mythical or, or something like that and attack little white, blonde-haired, blue-eyed kids and destroy their little lives and stuff. It's like, please, what happened to the rest of the world? You cannot sanitize drug addiction. Right. Drug addiction don't care where you live. What your potential is, who you are, any of those things like that. If you're gonna, I hope that they really do this thing and they don't sanitize this like these are the nice little kids and stuff. No, these are nice little kids who made a bad choice. Mm-hmm. Somewhere along the line, they decided to make that choice to to experiment with that drug. That's homeschooling, <clears throat> folks. That's homeschooling right there. You know, you can't beat drug addiction after it's taking hold of something. You have to beat drug addiction before it takes hold. So I think this program is going to do nothing more than paint a little white face on there so people can really have something to look at and say, oh, that looks like my little Johnny and everything because now it's okay. Because it's out there in the public for everybody to say, yeah, yeah, we've had a couple of my children had a drug problem too, you know, and this and that and everything. And that's fine for the people who don't have the drug problem, not good for the people who do have the drug problem because the drugs don't care. It will kill you, folks. You may think you're clean for six months. You may think you're clean for a year. A little bit of stressful trauma comes into your life and, and, and the temptation starts to arise again and you may go right back into seeking out that drug. Drugs is not something to be sanitized. Drugs is evil. Drugs is something to be looked at like, I'm going to cut your head off drugs. That's what I have to do to that. Mm-hmm. You have to be taking a proactive approach to drugs and it has to start with the youth when they're down there in their little impressionable ages of life, not later on, oh, these were good kids and, and uh, please. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's my thought. <laughs> um, so I'm going to reserve. I'm going to wait yeah, to give my uh, a, opinion or judgment on the series. If the series is really an eye-opener, and It'll it open helps eyes. America... To really recognize the seriousness and severity of the opioid addiction, because I don't think America still, even though the president has acknowledged that it's a problem and he said it's an emergency, even though he hasn't really declared it's one. I don't think we really look at it as a problem. We have war on drugs since Nixon. Right. But even but the war on drugs was more taken more seriously than opioid. The opioid epidemic is now. Now what we're doing for the opioid epidemic is 
talking about talk. It's all talk. That's all it is. And then we're talking about uh, allowing them to use the drugs in the safe places and crazy. Uh, and then legalizing marijuana. It's a billion dollar <laughs> industry out there now. Yep. All these things, all these little pretty things that they're showing, and all this sadness and all that stuff like this. It's true. But it's making money for somebody in the background. Yep. You know, it, 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 there's, there's more people out there being poverty pimps and stuff like that, just making money off of these drugs. Right. And because they're painting the face with white, they're able to make the money. When it was the minority face that was out there, it was like, oh, thank God it doesn't come to my neighborhood. Mm -hmm. Even though, what are you doing over there, Johnny? Uh, I'm, just, I'm, taking, I'm taking a nap. <laughs> I don't feel so good. You know, okay, you just relax over there. Maybe you got a cold. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but one of the things that I am positive about in this whole thing is, number one, the people that are making the film are people that really deal with the opioid epidemic. Uh, Mrs. Eppinger is a community volunteer, manager, consultant, and recent recipient of Worcester's Historical Museum's Harvey Ball Smile Award. She met with Mr. Hendon and when she and her 16-year-old daughter, Lauren, were in Los Angeles for the International Modeling and Talent Association Convention. But she works at one of the homes for treatment for people with addictions. And... That's very admirable and stuff. So she sees it firsthand. She sees it secondhand. She sees it sanitized with the white sheets and stuff like that. She sees it. She sees it from from the view of a hospital setting. She don't see it like I see it in the laundromat that I go to right. to do the laundry. Right. Where I, I've been going for two years just to study, to take a look at what what it looks like on the street. Mm -hmm. You know. Does she see it like that? I don't know. From what you're saying like this here, she don't see it like that. It's just it's just like a church. Yep. It, it, I, I, I read this thing on, on um, Facebook, and, and the pastor, the new, the new pastor of the church, dressed up as a homeless person, oh, went yeah, in the yep. church, yep. and nobody recognized him. And talked to him. Nobody talked to him. Right. No, it kind of like... Go sit in the back away from everybody because we don't really want your kind around here. Right. Thing. Why? Because we don't understand your kind. You yep. know? And he and then when, when when they introduced the new pastor and he made his way up to the front while they were still all applauding, looking around for where the new pastor, and then he finally got the mic up in the front and then he just cussed them all out for being who they really <laughs> showed themselves to be. Yep. It's not that dramatic, but... If you're looking at drugs from a sanitized point of view in the hospital where the sheets are white, mm -hmm. where the faces are washed, yep. you know, where the hair's not all matted up from the dirt and stuff from them probably having to lay down out in the street and everything all night and everything, where, where, where they're well fed, you know. Well, that's how they come yeah. into the place, though. Yep, but they come in and then they get clean, mm -hmm. so the smell stops. Okay. You know, they're not smelling what it's like to be an addicted person out there on the street fighting for their lives and existence and stuff. Not all of them. Some of them might know. Mm -hmm. It's a different... That's what's wrong with drugs. Drugs, drugs you can get sanitized, mm -hmm. <laughs> but you can't live there forever. Nope, you can't. You know, and, and when you get back out, it's still waiting on you. Mm -hmm. 
So you know, it's it's a very difficult, hard pro, uh, problem to to kind of to kind of um, defeat, and you have to defeat it. You can't medicate it. You nope. can't negotiate with it. You you can't even you can't even beat it up. You have to kill it. Yep. Yeah. Well, uh, the scenes are being shot with Everyday Miracles, a peer recovery support center on Pleasant Street, and yep. Cafe Reyes, a Latin American restaurant on Shrewsbury Street that serves as a training site for Latino men in recovery. Yeah, I know. Uh, I forgot her name. It just ran right out of my head. Very nice place. And, and it's, it, it's very good. It's a secondary type of place and stuff. And people that come through there <clears> and stuff... <throat> But I don't think the people coming through a lot of these people were, were they had drugs in their lives, but I think more of their problem was towards violence. More mm-hmm. of their t- problem was more hopelessness. More of their problem was towards gang affiliation and, and those type of things that associated with drugs. I think a lot of them had more of their drugs of choice were alcohol. Yep. And, and and like the, you stop playing with heroin, fentanyl, all them guys like this here, opioids that come in prescription form and stuff. Those nasty boys are going to hurt you. Yep. They're going to hurt you bad. They're going to hurt. And the Reyes house, the Reyes house is an excellent place. And, and if it was, it, you know what makes the Reyes house better than, than most of the other places out there? It's not catering to the people as a, oh, woe was you. It's a, all right. You did this. Come on in here, and learn how to be a chef. Come right. on in here, and learn how to how to how to be a waiter. Come on in here and learn this skill and stuff like this. There's not they, they don't put the word over the door. Come on in here and regain the dignity that you had lost because of drugs and stuff like that. But that's what you feel when you walk through the door and you start to interact with something that's productive that you can wrap yourself around and stand tall with. Yep. It ain't about making money. It ain't about making things like this. It's all about regaining the dignity of yourself. Yep. And I think that's what makes the Ray House such a powerful place. Now, I don't know Everyday Miracles. I don't, I've, I've seen a couple of people who come from Everyday Miracles, and it's a great organization for those people who really don't have that. They're, they're not addicted to the point where where they're decimated and, and their survival is, is everyday survival to to to, to live on the streets. Some mm-hmm. are, and I, from what I understand, some of those ones that are, they fail big time. Mm-hmm. They fail big time. I'm not trying to cut up the program, but the ones who aren't, they're able to go out there and they get they get job placements and they get to, to learn things in, in that type of setting and stuff, and that's powerful. Well, would you really say that the program fails big time or that the people fail? Because you can't help only the, the program's meant to help people who want to be helped. Exactly. The people who fail are people uh, that still aren't ready yet and they want to do the drugs. So and, it's, and that's that's the problem, exactly. You hit it right on on the head. Yeah. That's the if they wanna be helped, these programs these programs are out there and they're the best shot that they have along with family love and along with their extra things of church and along with, with other things that, that go along with that to to, to get help. It's, it can't be done by one program alone. Right. It's just not going it's just it it drugs is too powerful. Yep. It won't work. And and but if you not ready and you're using it because okay you can go in a program or go to jail. Yep. Uh, 
I'll go to the program because I'll leave in a week. Right. I'll be <laughs> out know? of there 30 days tops. Yeah. Yep. Tops. You know, I'll be right back out doing what. Then it's not going to work. And that's the mindset they have. Yep. They, 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 their whole life has been based on making one choice and then that choice beat them up. Mm-hmm. They choose to try to, to deal with the drugs. They was experimenting with drugs. They choose and they lost. Then you give them another choice. Yep. <laughs> you know, here, which one do you want to do? Well, I'm familiar with the drugs. I can handle it, I think. You know, or do you want to go to jail? That's a scary place. I don't want to go to jail. Right. You know, they're not going to do anything for me. I don't want to go to jail. So I go to the program. Um, it is going to, it could open the eyes of America to let it know that it happens to more middle-class families. Oh, yeah. People still look at, I, I think people for the majority still look at opioid epidemic as poor, is it, something that's plaguing the poor people. Yeah. Only the people in the know know that it's plaguing the rich people. The, now they're starting to realize it more. The, the rich people are and the middle class are starting to realize it more. But I still think a lot of eyes need to be open to it. They they need to, to, to stop. The, how am I going to put this? The poor sector and everything, the colors, are, I'm going to use colors, folks. The colors in the, in the poor sectors are black and red mm-hmm. and brown. Yep. Okay, because the people in the poorer sections... There's white people at the end too, but it's you know if you, it, there's the people who live in the inner cities and stuff, not working, walking around in the daylight, who live there and everything. They're black, brown, and then the color that you see mostly in 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 the inner cities has to do with the with the um with 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 the traffic, yeah, and that's red, and that donates blood. That's a that's a sign that looks at blood. It's red. And that's that's the negative part of of the traffic side. Mm-hmm. Stop. That's the command. Yep. You stop, right? Because you look at the traffic side, and you got green. You go. Then you got yellow. Nice yep. soothing color. Caution now, because red's coming. Mm-hmm. You stop. These are the colors in in the inner city. Those aren't the colors in the in the suburbs. Right. There are no traffic signs. Nope. There's white people in the suburbs, yep. you know, so they don't have those those hard um, colors that that in all mythologies and all walks of life would be looking at death. The devil's black and red, mm-hmm. you know. They don't have those death colors that they have in the inner city and stuff. Right. So now, if you bring bring in, so can't be drugs in in in, in the middle class society. Why nope. would there be drugs? There's no evil in, in the middle class society. Right. It's all down here. Yep. But now they're finding out, yeah, it's out there. It's out there in the middle class society. So if these, these programs that they're doing on the TV, if they can enlighten people to, to stop pretending and whitewashing everything with this broad bust, um, brush that, that, yeah, you live in a fine, nice house and everything, but the drugs come into your house much easier than it does on the street. You can go to the hospital with a broken toe or just a bruised toenail and get a prescription. Yep. And then, you know, it comes in there, but it's sanitized. Right. Because it's on a piece of paper with a little doctor's signature on the bottom of it. So this is a medication that's doing you good. <laughs> it's the same drug. Do you need to, to have that drug for that 
that broken toenail? Right. No. <laughs> well, uh, we uh, we live in a town uh, in the city of Worcester where they look at, they don't recognize the opioid epidemic. No. Worcester doesn't. If you ask our mayor, well, first off, if you ask our mayor, he'll say Worcester's thriving and Worcester's great and Worcester's wonderful. And, uh, you know, a lot of the city council will will echo the same sentiments. Oh, Worcester's fine. Worcester's great. Worcester's, uh, you know, they'll talk about sidewalks needing to be made. They'll talk about education a little bit. But the opioid problem is something that they say is not their city. Like we are we are thriving. We are growing. We are not opioid epidemics. But they really are. Of course they are. And if you go to the opioid council thing that I, I, I sat on, I just couldn't take it anymore. Mm-hmm. They go and look at all the things that are brought in for, for all these these health programs. Mm-hmm. And the health programs, their, their doctrine is great. The right. only thing is it won't work against okay. drugs. And they won't come to the fact that you have to look at it from another angle, from another lens. You just can't look at it from from your your little understanding and wants of what you want that program to do. It'll look beautiful and perfect on a piece of paper, but it won't work. Nope. You know, it won't work. And, it, and, it, and you can find exceptions. You can yep. find... Oh, several people that have been successfully removed from from a drug addiction life, but there's millions of peoples out there with the drug addiction life. Yep. So if you're getting digits one, two, three, four, five, and you're losing a half a million, mm-hmm. come on, those that doesn't add up. Yeah, might look pretty for you and might soothe your 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 mental state, but it doesn't add up. Nope, it doesn't. And it, the weird thing about it is, is that the opioids epidemic. It could hit anybody. Anybody. It could hit your kids. It could hit Ooh, your uh, hit you. Yep. It could hit. Any, <laughs> yep. It could hit you. It could hit your son, your daughter, your nephew. It could hit everybody. That's it. One of the biggest peoples that are using opioid things now, and none of these programs are, are, are even focused on them. Are the elderly? Mm-hmm. They're the ones who are getting all this pain medication. Yep. They're getting pain medication for nothing. Right. You know, they they just getting it. Yep. And and. and it doesn't. It is. It's still addictive. Right. <laughs> it's like the mind said it. Well, they're elderly, so they're taking it because they have pain. Because because you know that as you grow older, that your bones soften and and you you're less likely to be able to to stand some kind of pains, and you get rheumatoid arthritis, and get all these type of things like this. So so they they put all this beautiful whitewash on it, mm-hmm. and the poor little old lady and everything. She's a junkie. Right. Yep. (laughs) It's like she can't afford the medication, so she's taking the medication, selling the medication, and buying heroin. Mm -hmm. And and they're not seeing it because they don't look for it. Right. Yeah? Yep. They they just don't don't look for it. They think that it's some kind of middle middle age, not even middle age, not a young, young person, but a, a... uh, in, intermediate person's age, I don't even know what you would call it, like from from 16 to 30, mm-hmm. 32, 35, it's their problem. Right. You know? Yep. Or not even that. The, this, that thing you read off first about the program is showing young youths with potential of going off to do things spectacular and stuff. Yeah. They didn't even start to live yet. They, 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 you know, they, and if they got the taste for drugs, it ain't going away. 
Well, this uh, the story Seven Hills is going to focus on a middle class family. Yeah. And uh, hopefully it'll open eyes to people to see how it affects, you know, people who are not living well off, but people who aren't in poverty. Because it's easy to show opioid the opioid addiction problem in a family that's in poverty. But to show it in a middle class is going to be a little bit more eye-opening for people. Because as soon as you think opioids, you think poverty, you think the poorest parts. So for them deciding to do it to a middle class or even a rich family, to me, I think is and, better. And and it's like, this is, will, will that work? No. And I'm going to, I, I'll, I'll go, I ain't even going out on a limb. I'm just going to say emphatically, will it work? No. And here's my reason why last week in the courthouse, the judge's daughter, who is an opioid addicted person uh-huh. who had tried to get talk her way out of <laughs> uh, out of out of whatever crime she had committed with the traffic cops and everything mm-hmm. on 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 saying uh, some kind of uh, sex related type of incident. Yep. She's the judge's daughter. I'm sure she doesn't live in the city. Right. <laughs> you know. Does anybody focus on that? Does anybody even does that fact come aware to the people? It is you can bring awareness to it like this, but it's not sustainable. Right. It's not that how much more sustainable is something that's the 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 judge's daughter. Right. <laughs> yeah. He's the one passing sentence on people for drug addiction and stuff, giving them them office and stuff. That's his daughter. Yep, it is. And it's like she didn't even, you know, it's like he didn't even wasn't aware of her situation. It seems, or he didn't really give it a lot of. I don't know what he did. Tell you the truth, it didn't seem as though he did anything till she got arrested, and then she they tried to cover it up. Right. You know, it, it, it's like that's wrong. But this is just to, to say, yeah. Well, this bring awareness to it for a quick minute. Mm. One of them New York minutes. Yeah. You know? and and then it'll go. It'll go right away, and it'll go back to looking just like it is. Well, you know, because and just like I said with my little, my little, my little scenario there, because of the colors. Yeah, you know, because of the, the way our culture looks at things through this mythological color setup. You know, and and this is how we will look at that thing: sanitized white out here in the middle class, evil darkness and black down here in in the inner city and stuff. Yep. So that's where where the things are going to be. I mean, look at you don't have traffic jams in the middle class, <laughs> right? It's all these things, all this evil, all this stuff that gets in the way of your joy and entertainment takes place in the in the in the in the, in the uh, inner city. Yep. Yeah. So you got to brighten up the inner city too. You got to give people a a place where they feel proud and stuff. Like the Rears House, like I said, it's not on any walls or anything like that. I don't believe. But the dignity that you feel, you, you return to dignity. You feel good about yourself once you're doing stuff. And and I think they, they, they kind of lean more towards chef and, 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 and preparation of food and stuff, mm-hmm. the culinary type of art like that there. Who who doesn't feel good making a sunny side egg or a fried egg and they flip it over and the yolk doesn't break? Right. I mean, I go into my happy days, you know. I, <laughs> I get all with it. Yeah. Uh-huh. I open the windows, tell everybody, I flipped this egg. It, the, the yolk didn't break. 
feel good. You feel good. <laughs> so they got a good program there that's that's going to work. And if the other places got programs, you got to give people something that they can wrap themselves around, that they can want to change their whole existence from. Not just be getting, I want to be well. I want to feel good. They want to have to have a program where they're going to change their whole state of mind, their whole state of being, because that drug addiction didn't start on Monday. Mm-hmm. And then you found out about it on Wednesday. <laughs> well, uh, another thing, the higher purpose that the show can serve, can serve is uh, a family can watch it and then say, hmm, let me look. I, I see how this teenager started on these drugs. Let me pay more attention to my teenagers and make sure they're not getting into things like that. What are they doing that uh, uh, cause that? What are they doing that can cause them to become more addicted to drugs and things? So. Yeah. I, I, or they can listen to <clears throat> Tupid in the air. That's right. And, and learn to stone them. Stone them. Stone them. That's what should happen to them. But no, uh, it, uh, if, if, if it helps a family look into their some self-reflection and make sure that they are telling their kids they love them and paying attention to their kids because that's how it happens. Yeah. A kid doesn't just decide to wake up to do drugs because nothing's going on. There's usually a problem in his life that you can point to that say that's what caused him to at least want to experiment with drugs. Yeah. It could be a, a bad relationship with one of the parents. It could be a, uh, someone being molested. It could be a whole slew of things that could be happening that could cause a student. A student could be getting bullied. Yeah. A lot of things that could cause a child to want to get into drugs. So I think that stuff is needed to uh, help people become more aware. And if it makes families become more aware, then I'm all for the series. Yeah, I'm a, I, you know, I'm all for the series that it can't hurt. Nope. It can't hurt. But it, 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 it <clears throat> is no magic bullet. It is, there's, there's, nothing, there's nothing spectacular about it. It's not even novel, you know. I don't know, Troop. You got you. You got to give it a chance. You never know. It could be. I I I think that you know, it 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 it's a targeted type of series, and and that's okay for the for the group that it's targeted and stuff. I hope the people who watch it. I hope just like you said, they glean something out of it that's going to be positive to say. I you know. Do I really love my kids enough to take a real interest in them, or am I just going to um, take a a, a a peripheral interest in them and and do what it is that I like to do? Right. You know, I mean that that's the whole point. And it, 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 the kids, they're not going to tell you. Yep. You know, and it's not just kids. You got to take an interest in grammar too, and stop pretending that that just because you get a prescription. That this drug isn't a drug anymore. Mm-hmm. It's a medicine. It's not. Because drug addiction is not a disease, folks. It's a choice. But opioid addiction is drug addiction. It, they, they changed. They put a name on it. They put a word in there. Yep. That's all they did. Mm-hmm. They, they stuck a word in there. And everybody wanted to be smart. So now they go, oh, yeah, we could separate it because of this. Or we could separate. It's the same. Right. <laughs> it, there's no difference. Yep. They, they said they're focusing on making everything look realistic, including track marks on a drug user's arms oh. and dirt on the clothes of someone sleeping on the streets. I really hope they also focus on the drug dealers who are selling these drugs and getting the drugs sold out to everybody. They don't even know them. They know of them. Yeah. But they don't. 
I'll I'll see. I'm gonna try to watch this thing. And if they're just showing this stuff, and I do not see the moon set. Yep. And I do not see the night, and, and not the the quick flash by of the night, the actual night street interactions and stuff. Mm-hmm. Ducks don't happen just in the daytime. Daytime, right. They happen in the night. The dead of the night. The, Prostitution, yeah, all prosti- that stuff happens at night. All those things that come with, with, with drug addiction, all those ways of, of living on the streets. These people aren't living in, this program is living in, 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 in middle class society. Yep. But... The majority of the people who are, have drug addiction problems and stuff, there's some of them are so burnt they they can't even put a sentence together from a nursery rhyme. Right. They they're just burnt, you know. And they're, they're part. They're, they're still the problem. They're still the same person. Mm-hmm. By just looking at it from this one perspective and stuff, it'll be a good TV show. But hopefully, it'll it'll bring an insight into somebody and save somebody's life, and that'll make it all the powerful. But other than that, I don't think it's going anywhere. I'm excited I'm just to see being, it. I'm just being, you know, truthful. I'm. I have faith, troop. I'm. I have hope. I hope that it is uh, very successful. I hope it opens all of America, the world's eyes, to the opioid epidemic, and we'll see where we go from there. I hope it does too. I, I hope it really. I hope it really, really does. But um, I'm not seeing it. I'm not seeing. I think the drugs is just way too powerful, and I think that we need to focus our attentions not on those those middle class societies and everything. That's poverty pimp making the money. That's what I'm gonna say it is anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think we need to put our focus on the younger generation, those kids, so that they have better choices to make, and they don't want to go the route of the drug. Yep. You know that they're able to stand on their own two feet because if somebody. You know, if you're a kid and and you don't want to go do with the other kids, you're going to get bullied. You're going to get pushed around. It's been going on since the Stone Age. Mm-hmm. You know, but if you're a kid and 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 they really have this, their own self-esteem and they know who they are, they don't get bullied and pushed right. around and stuff. It's like, why would I go over there where you're going to bully me and say, go on over there and play with your little bully self over here. I'm going over here. I'm going to the library because there's, there's something that really interested me. They might have a, a movie in the library on 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 dunghills of the dinosaurs or something. Right. I, I don't know what, the, what it would be, but, you know, they might want to go over there and do that. Maybe. You know, but if, if they're given the opportunity. Right. And that comes from 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 there in school too, and mm-hmm. at home. But in school too, they, if you're not teaching them anything in school other than just here's the first question to the test and here's the answer. Now give it back to me. Then their creativity doesn't get up there. So after school, they're going to seek adventure. Mm-hmm. So right. they're going to go. I take the bully and I hang out with him, and then the next thing you know, yeah, these people really love me and treat me good and stuff like that. Yeah, they're my friends and everything. I don't want to do drugs, but I'll pretend like I'm doing it. He can't pretend. The drug don't care. Right. A little bit, a lot. It's all the same. I got you. Well, uh, <laughs> with every hill comes a climb. Uh, Seven Hills, which is based out of Worcester. I hope this series does get picked up by Netflix, and I hope that uh, the series becomes a huge hit because there's no series like it out right now. Well, the other Seven Hill, great Seven Hill type of city of this world fell to ruin. It was Rome. Oh, okay. <laughs>
<laughs> so don't go by all these seven hills you gotta climb because Rome Rome was kind of a rascal. <laughs> and they didn't climb them seven oh, hills. Oh, they had all kinds of things going on. <laughs> yeah, they they had a lot more than opioid bit, problems. Yeah, everything was going on in, in that place. So. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> Killing Jesus didn't help. I know no, that. that didn't that didn't help me. All right, what we're going to do is we'll take a break and we'll be back on Truth It in the AM. Truth Are you a manufacturer, dealer, or distributor in the following industries? Agricultural equipment, material handling, construction machinery, power generation, commercial and retread tires, transport refrigeration, marine, heavy trucks, automobile, temperature control, utility vehicles, maintenance and repair, or something else? then Curry Management is for you. Distribution analysis, dealerization, and dealer distributor development are the top three services provided to manufacturers. We at Curry Management provide this along with the best practices groups, profit improvement workshops, merger and acquisitions, business valuations, and leadership management development to dealers and distributors. Do you own a closely held private company? We at Curry Management provide business continuation services, succession planning, leadership development, and other staff-related management training. Curry Management pride themselves at always being ready to assist manufacturers, dealers, and distributors with today's business challenges. Help yourself. Connect with Curry Management. www.currymanagement.com, 292 Lincoln Street in Worcester, 508-752-9229. Have you recently been in an accident? Did you back into another vehicle? Hit a shopping carriage in a parking lot? Or is your car in need of general repair? If your answer is yes, then ENC Auto Body is the place for you. ENC Auto Body is Worcester's premier auto body shop. We have collision specialists and licensed appraisers on site, and we make sure that you receive the best service you can find. Results are always amazing, and we take pride in making your experience with us at ENC as painless as possible. Drop your car off and rest easy knowing that your car is in the best care. But be forewarned, your car may come out looking better than it did before your unfortunate situation. ENC Auto Body, we're here if you need us. Located at 16 DeMarco Terrace in Worcester. Call us at 508-799-0014 and 774-329-7334. Working with some of the best Thai chefs, Bator has brought her skills from Thailand and Israel to Worcester with basil and spice. Her desire to bring the taste of the homeland here is one of the reasons basil and spice was voted the best Thai restaurant in central Massachusetts. Their menu consists of the best tasting basil and chili, drunken noodle, steamed mussels, Seafood basil pad thai, ginger chicken, and more. You can't go wrong with basil and spice. They offer catering as well. Being a master caterer, you can rest assured you'll be receiving the best full, self, and private catering events available. Basil and Spice stands by you receiving the incredible and authentic Thai dishes along with the best service at unbeatable prices. Accommodation to your needs is the key to success. 
You can also dine in at Basil and Spice, located at 299 Shrewsbury Street in Worcester. Their relaxed atmosphere always provides the most comfortable setting for you to dine in. Do yourself a favor and head on over to Basil and Spice Thai Cuisine. You won't regret it. Basil and Spice, 774-317-9986, 299 Shrewsbury Street in Worcester. Serve weekdays for those who want to dine in is Basil and Spice Lunch Specials. For $11.95, you have your choice of garlic pork, lemongrass chicken, pad king chicken, or spicy tofu and vegetable. All lunch specials include a salad and tie rolls. Basil and Spice Lunch Specials are available Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. Stop by and try out the lunch specials. Hey, everybody loves Chinese food. I know I do, but what makes good eats for me are the crab rangoons. We searched high and low for fresh, natural, good-tasting food, and that's when we were fortunate enough to come across Shangri-La. <laughs> Absolutely. And not only are the crab rangoons fantastic, but everything I've ordered for them has been exquisite and flavorful. They have timely takeout orders, but if you want to eat there, you're in for one of the most beautiful dining areas, period. You can tell. They made every effort to create a clean, friendly environment. Trust me, you are guaranteed to have a great experience. Everyone is welcome to experience the best Crab Rangoons. And everything else in Shangri-La, Fairyland. Shangri-La, 50 Front Street, Worcester, 508-798-0888. Call and order some great, great food, food now. now. Order online at shangrilarestaurant.net. Konnichiwa. Konnichiwa what? Konnichiwa. That's hello in Japanese. Man, if you want to say hello to me in Japanese, you may as well take me to 7 Nana Japanese Steakhouse. They have an outstanding sushi cuisine. Right. They also have modern styles of classic dishes and the friendliest staff. They are a cornerstone of the Worcester community and have been recognized for the quality of service they provide. And you know, I like my food fresh. And their lobster tails, my favorite, along with everything else on the menu. You know what? I'm about to order online right now. Hey, where are you going? I'm headed to 7 Nana Japanese right now. 7 Nana Japanese Steakhouse, 60 Shrewsbury Street in Worcester, 508-755-8888 www.7nanajapanese.com Hi, this is Trooper Joe of Archangel of Return to Chivalry, where we move in character development back to an era when it was seen as a privilege to do the right thing and extend a friendly and helping hand along with a loving hug to everyone. You can catch my show on blogtalkradio.com slash Archangel of Return to Chivalry or on facebooklive.com slash Archangel Chivalry. Have that fun.
Listen to Archangel of Return to Chivalry Wednesdays from 3 to 4. Hey Troop, I'm tired of looking for decent coffee. It's always either burned or way too bitter, but I found the best coffee I ever had, period. A friend of mine brought me to Yo Way Cafe and the coffee was delicious, flavorful, and made right in front of me. Not only is the coffee great, but they have espressos, lattes, crepes, boba teas, smoothies, and froyo. Mmm, froyo. Take it from me, truth it, and make your way to Yo Way. Yo Way Cafe, 395 Park Ave, Worcester, 01610, or call 508 459-0611. A loyal customer like you deserves a sweet treat like Yo Way. And we are back. It is your boy Truth It Up, Truth It in the AM, and I am here with the one and the only, too real to be phony, Trooper Joe is in the building. Troop. Hey, hi folks. How you guys doing? Thank you. Thank you. I hope everybody's doing well. Thanksgiving's coming. Eat a lot. Make the bellies full. Open the pants. Take the belt to love. <laughs> Get them bellies stick out. Well, true. You used to work in the medical service, yeah. and uh, I think they're going to need you to re-enlist. Re-enlist. Uh, Boston Emergency Medical Services is plagued by ambulance and staff shortages, long delays, and an unusual practice that forces patients to share an ambulance with strangers on the way to the hospital. <sighs> 25 investigations uh, uh, uncovered. Not strangers. <laughs> it's like an Uber. You have to share You have to share your vehicle with... Then what if they have some sort of disease or something or some real illness that I don't want to catch troop and I got to share an ambulance with them? What about sharing a bus with them? <laughs> well, that defeats... But it defe- well, in an ambulance, you know on a bus, there's a chance people aren't sick. If they were sick, they'd still be at home. No. On an ambulance, you know something's wrong. Yeah, but it could be an injury. Yeah, I saw that thing like that. And you know, when I was on the ambulance, way back in the day in the 80s and stuff, I did backup for helping hospitals on Boston Community Ambulance Service and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And we got calls all the time. Yep. And, and, and it wasn't like today. Because we were getting calls for, for situations. Some of them weren't emergent. Some of them were. You know, but we were we were getting calls all all the time. Today, today it seems like they're using the ambulance service as a uh, as a taxi company. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you got a problem? Call nine nine one. We have more people in the cities and stuff like that too. So, you know, there's a, there is something to saying that they need more ambulances, simply because of those two reasons. One, they use it as an ambulance as a taxi. And two, there's more people in, in, in the inner city. And then three, there's more dangerous things going on today than there were before. Not just shootings and stuff, but the drug addiction that we talked about. The, you know, they call the ambulance service. So yep. it's not breathing. We have a big problem with, with, with diabetes and stuff like that. Call the ambulance service. Somebody's, somebody's having a, a seizure. You know, we have a big problem with the elderly and, and stuff like that. The elderly are, are getting older and, and the elderly are getting older. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they are. You know, but you know, in, in, in their in their in their journey of getting older, they're falling down. Right. And 
One of the reasons might be drugs. Another reason might be that their hip fractured and they fell down. Mm-hmm. Everybody thinks you fall down and your hip fractures. It's usually the other way around. Your bones become so brittle and everything that the weight of that body that has increased over the years breaks the what they call the acetabulism. It sits inside the joint like this here, breaks the neck and the ab, and you fall down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they say, oh, they must have broke their hip when they fell. No, they broke their hip before they fell. Mm. You know, so you get you're getting a lot more elderly, so you're getting a lot more of these reasons why they call an ambulance service. And here's the catch, folks: when when you're calling the ambulance service and stuff, they might be on a call. Yep. And the call you can't you can't say, all right, we got a call over here, and it's we'll go there. Going to take six minutes to get there. I think that's what they say they want it to be. We're going to stay on the scene for five minutes, and then we're going to transport. Doesn't work like that. That was the old fashioned, even before I was on the ambulance, when the ambulances were were, were hearse looking things. Mm-hmm. You know, it was snatch and go. You can't transport till the patient stabilized. Okay. <laughs> but at the same time, if there's a girl, a little girl who's seizing, mm-hmm. she can't get help in 20 minutes. That's unacceptable. That's Something not, has to change. That, that's not. You and you're right. You're right. Something has to change, and I think the easiest and the most quickest thing to change, and that's what happened actually. But they don't say that till later on in the story and everything. Mm-hmm. Know your neighbor. Yep. Know your neighbor. You don't have to like your neighbor. If you got a neighbor across the street who's an EMT, mm-hmm. call them. You got one across the street that's a nurse, call them. You got one across the street that that has that was in the military and, and was in the medical service, called them, you know? You should have in your in your house a, a, just a list of your neighbor's telephones and stuff on your refrigerator, just in case something like that happened. Luckily, that, the, the, that, that little girl, her seizure was taking place. The guy across the street was an ambulance driver. Mm-hmm. He, he was an EMT. He came over there and gave a little bit of comforting aid and stuff like that. Because at the time, the most comforting aid isn't for the little girl. It's for the parents. Mm-hmm. Ain't much they can do for that little girl till till they get her to the hospital. The seizure's going to run its course. Right. You know? And if you don't, you know, that's what's going to happen. They, he got more skills to make the, 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 the little deceased patient more comfortable and stuff like that. But it's more for the calming down of the parent. Right. That relieves a lot of the anxieties and stuff. Mm. So, you know, this is that that the only reasonable way I can see that that you can take care of this because there's more people today. There's traffic problems. Yep. There's all kinds of things that's going on. You got ambulances now, just because they're coming up on a red light, they don't have anybody in the in the ambulance. And they're okay. turning on the lights and the siren. Yep. We weren't allowed to do that. Well, I I don't know, mate. See, this is what I'm talking about, career day. We need to get more of these millennials <laughs> into the ambulances and learn how to become EMTs and know that that... And, but, you know, your career as an EMT, you have to be physically fit. It's kind of like the career of a police officer. You can't do that. Like, you, people don't retire at an old age of being an EMT. No, you're... If you got medical skills and everything, they ain't going away. Uh huh. You know, you you know, your equipment might go away. <laughs> and the physicality of being able to carry people, like you said, down three flights oh. of stairs, three hundred pounds. Yeah. Good I luck it. with that. 
had, had this one call. This is a typical call, too. It's just, it sounds funny, but this is a typical call. Had a call, a lady, with, she had breathing disorder distress. Mm-hmm. Got there, she lives on the third floor. Mm-hmm. No elevator. She's this 300-pound lady in the house, windows closed. The heat's about 200 degrees, and there's cats all over the place. Mm. She's, she's having a hard time breathing. Of course she's having a hard time breathing. Now, she can't walk. We got to take her down the stairs in a stair chair. Mm-hmm. I was hoping she could fly, because I we just <laughs> dropped this big girl out the window. Get 300-pound lady in a stair chair. They look like this. <laughs> They don't even look, I don't know what they look like now, but they're just a little itty-bitty chair you put these people in, and mm-hmm. you kind of almost have to lift them down the stairs. Right. This one call that should never even have taken place took over 40 minutes. Wow. You know? Just to get her down the just, stairs? Yeah. And, and get her, you know, first we had to make sure she had some, give her some oxygen up there. That was all. She didn't need oxygen. Just open the windows mm-hmm. and turn the heat down. So we had to give her some oxygen, take her vital signs, get all those things out the way upstairs, ask the most important question, what's your insurance number? Right. <laughs> you, know, you ain't got nothing. That's fine because we're public service. Yeah. You know? So, uh, and then, you know, while, while, while I'm doing this here, someone downstairs and everything, they're bringing up this call for the stair chair. He's mm-hmm. coming up. Three flights of stairs with the stair chair. Got to find a place that's receiving, too. Got the person inside the ambulance. What hospital's receiving? Mm-hmm. Call Mass General. Are you crazy? <laughs> <laughs> Call the brigham. We ain't taking that lady in here. She don't have any insurance. Where are we going to take her? You know? Mm-hmm. Got to take her. At that time, it was city hospital. Yep. Take her over to the city hospital, you know? Cause they got to take everybody, but first you got to go through all these things, and by the time the ambulance driver gets done doing all this stuff, I, and I know you got to call them EMT. <laughs> yeah, I, I just say ambulance drivers. But by the time all this gets done, it you know this 40, 50, 60 minutes just gone by on a call, and and you can't you can't go there and regulate the time that it's taken to do a call. Yeah, and that's why. I would think the only a real good alternative to those type of situations is one, one know your neighbors. Two, learn a little bit of first aid yourself. Or three, hire more EMTs. Hiring more EMTs, it won't solve the problem. Well, they added uh, twenty full time positions and two more ambulances last year, and they even after they got twenty four new recruits. But there's still 17 job openings that need to be filled for them to do it. Oh, they yeah. think they think that'll answer the call and, and, and make it so that it's not such a long time between ambulance responses. And and, and people can't they they made they made it like you know people don't have the skills. You got to go to Consigament College, the community college, yep. now to get your EMT licenses. Yep, which is understandable because a lot of things have changed since my day. Right. You know, most of my skills came from 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 um, the service. So yep, I, I didn't really have to go to the schools out here. I was 
E I was an EMTI, which was a step below the paramedic level, and that was just because of, I challenged the exam because of my military stuff. I could have been a, a paramedic if I wanted to be, mm -hmm. but it's like, no, nah, I don't need to do that because I was just doing it to, to fill up a void in life. So it, it, it was a good thing. But for people themselves, you can learn first aid. You can learn, you can learn, you know, you don't have to be the EM, the EMT. You can learn how to how to clear an airway. You can learn how to how to do CPI. You can you can learn how to check dilations on eyes and stuff. You can learn how to put somebody and treat them for shock or stuff like that. You know, you could, you, these are all things that you can learn probably in the Red Cross. Especially if you know that you have a family member who has a history of seizures or any kind of medical issues that you know require EMTs to be called out of nowhere. Yeah. So if you have a diabetic in your house, you should know emergency care for a diabetic in case yeah. an emergency happens. Because if an emergency happens, uh, there's a chance that the EMTs might not be able to get get there in time yeah, or early and, or quick enough. And, and you know somebody with low blood sugar, they're going down. Yep. You know, they're not dying on the spot. They just... They, this right. back up basically you know yep. I, I had a funny story with the, my friends he was a he was a pretty bad diabetic <laughs> and he, he had just bought this great steak and cheese uh-huh <laughs> and it, it, his, his blood sugar made him have a little seizure and he went down <laughs> and I'm asking him for the sum <laughs> we ain't wasting this sum <laughs> we treat him later <laughs> wow he gave us some sugar. <laughs> yeah, so... Uh, ate the sub. <laughs> Washington, D.C. also struggles similarly to Boston mm -hmm. uh, with response time in the past. The city has 39 ambulances, a number that easily outpaces Boston's 27 ambulances. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, we, we I, I understand what you're saying, and we definitely have to work on being able to address our own potential emergencies in our households. You know, yeah, and there's one thing too about you can't look at those numbers, folks. In 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 all in, in like this here, Washington D.C. is a grid. Yep. So it's got one, two, three, four, five, and the city's running grid type. Boston's yep. not. Hmm. You know, they got all kinds of different little crazy streets going all over the place like yep. this, and all this stuff with the grid type of thing. A satelliting. Um, a satellite, you know, just like, well, go over there. You're going to satellite at this place. You know, where, where's Ambulance 22? Well, I'm satelliting at, 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 at Massachusetts and First Street or something like that. Yep. Okay, so now they know where you are with all this here so they can easily say if, if a call comes in. So you do that in Boston. We used to satellite over near, near the Fenway. Mm -hmm. You know, so we'd, we'd be over near the Fenway satelliting and everything. And, and but... There'd be gridlocks coming because the way the city's the city's set up. So you're satelliting here. It might take two, three, five minutes to get over here, but it may take a half hour to cross over this other way the same distance. Mm -hmm. You know, so you know the, the the way the cities are laid out, it isn't isn't conducive to 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 rapid response in in Boston as opposed to it taking Washington D.C., which has that grid type of layout. Yes. So there's a whole bunch of different different strategies and looking at it. It's just not an easy fix by get more more EMTs on the street. Mm -hmm. It's it's not it's not that easy of a fix. 
All yeah. right. So, uh, yeah, we, uh, Boston, they're still investigating in ways to help improve the issues that are going on there. And uh, they are doing the very best they can with the resources that they have. Exactly. They just need more resources and need more uh, strategies to be able to work in a complex city like Boston with the way the roads and the streets are set up and everything as well. And you, I I don't know. I I don't know the new modern day um, EMTs and stuff. But if they're anything like the guys that when I was doing that, it's like, they can't wait to get a call. Nope. <laughs> it's like they're anxious. That's what they, this is what they love to do. Mm-hmm. You know? And, and that is, got a call. Go in there, boy. They love to do. That Not adrenaline. That they, yeah. They love to, this is it. Yeah. Gonna, they, they're going to go in there and the adrenaline's running and they're helping somebody and it might, we're well trained. Yep. My first call was a scary call. I was back from Vietnam and used to do stuff like this and get shot at. But mm-hmm. you know, my first call was a traffic accident. I never experienced a real traffic accident. Mm-hmm. And it was funny. It was in Jamaica Plain. And when we pulled up, but we couldn't get up the street. Mm-hmm. So we had to, I jumped out and I grabbed the bag, you know. Because we got a jump kit that you grab. So I grabbed the bag and I'm heading up there. People coming down. Yep. Oh, yeah, the EFTs here. And they're escorting me up there with the crowd and stuff. And all I'm thinking, oh, no, somebody's going to die. <laughs> <laughs> they were all right, though. But I'm like, oh. Wow. But they were just as happy and pleased to see me. And I was just as nervous. <laughs> <laughs> it was funny. Yeah. <laughs> but I guess you get over your, your first because my adrenaline was through the roof right at that time too, mm-hmm. you know. And I went down to my skills. And was just, oh, can, can I do this? Yeah. All right. So <laughs> today fun. is uh, Tuesday, which means it is Voice of the Voiceless Tuesday. Uh, we have a show coming up from twelve to one on ninety-one point three FM WCUW. We will continue to talk about the series. On addiction, the Seven Hills. We're also going to talk about the low voter turnout yeah. and suggestions to fix it. One of the suggestions the city officials are, are proposing is to get early voting to get more people to vote in the 2019 local election. Don't know if that's going to work, but we're going to talk about that. We're also going to talk about Edwin Labamba Rodriguez. Bamba. Looks to a Worcester native looking to uh, revive his boxing career against three-time champ Chad Dawson. So we got all that stuff we need to talk about. We'll probably talk about the ambulances a, a, a little bit more uh, and other local things that are going on in the city. We will see you guys from 12 to 1 p.m. On WCUW 91.3 FM, Voice of the Voiceless. Man, I'm Trooper Joe, and I'm wishing everybody a happy Thanksgiving and, and a safe Thanksgiving. And call, call all your loved ones on Thanksgiving, not just your family, anybody that you love. Give them a ring up, not and a be- text. Right. <laughs> and before you do... Uh, Focus on Thanksgiving. If you're preparing your food tomorrow, especially between 3 to 4 p.m., you can tune into blogtalkradio.com slash Archangel a return to chivalry while you're getting your food ready. What better way to spend it than by looking at your food? I mean, by then by (laughs) listening to Trooper Joe while you're preparing your food and preparing your turkey for the next day. And your minced meat and apple pies and lemon meringue pies. 
And for those special aggressive people who chitlins. really like chitlins <laughs> yeah. or adventurous, pecan pie. Pecan Ooh. pie, people. Mm-mm-mm-mm. No diabetics, please. Yep, that's right. <laughs> I'm a pecan pie. I might not make it through Thanksgiving, Truth. <laughs> All yeah. right, uh, it is your boy Truth It. We will see you at twelve o'clock. Y'all have that fun.